0: It's when our family knows if they follow our leadership, our guidance, our wisdom, they know that we will lead them to Jesus because they need more than what we have to offer. We will
1: be hearing more from Mike Blackaby on this episode of the Pathway to Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Ken Powell, and here at FCCI, we love the Blackaby family. FCCI has been the beneficiaries of three generations now of Blackabys being involved in our ministry efforts. Richard Blackaby continues to speak at FCCI events around the country. It was his father, Henry Blackaby, who delivered life-changing messages year after year at FCCI conferences. And now for the past 2 years, we've enjoyed having Mike Blackaby delivering devotional messages at the FCCI conference. And what we're diving into on this episode is the first of a three-part series that Mike delivered, Lead Your Family lead your company, and lead for the kingdom. Before we hear from Mike, let me encourage you to jump over to FCCI.org and discover all the ways that you can engage with events, business leadership groups, a large library of leadership content, and the Connect Leadership Community Platform, and there's so much more. We're here to serve your desire to transform the world through Christ, and we believe that God has called you into your business role. And he has called us to encourage and equip your journey for his glory. So please, let us know how we can serve you. Now, some of you may be watching this on YouTube, but if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, just be aware that you could jump over to YouTube and navigate to the FCCI official channel and then click on the podcast option in the navigation menu. So here is Mike Blackaby with some insightful
0: reminders for business leaders to lead your family well. My father has done this uh, several times, and so, uh, and so I'm, I'm happy to, to bring with me uh, 50% of his DNA. Uh, and so he's, uh, he's getting some much-needed uh, rest, and, uh, and yet I know he, he loves what happens here. Uh, he loves what God does here. He loves what God is doing in, uh, in and through your lives. Uh, Well, I want to show you a picture. of My family. Uh, This is my uh, this is my crew. Um, My wife Sarah, and we've got uh, three boys. They're they're aged eight, six, and four. And then we've got our little girl who uh, ties it all together. She's going to be two, uh, coming up in a little bit. And uh, and they're uh, they're great kids. But uh, every time, uh, I live in Victoria, and we'll be taking walks and stuff, and every time someone sees our crew coming down, uh, coming down the road, they're always like, wow, you, you guys must have your hands full. <laughs> it must be busy. It's like, yes. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> and, uh, and the little guy on your, on your right in the pink shirt, that's Finley. He's our four-year-old. Um, I think every family, God blesses with a Finley, uh, because every family needs, needs a little bit of an anarchist, right, just to, sort of keep, just to sort of keep everyone on their toes. He's the only one of the kids that, that I quoted the words of Jesus himself to him, because he's a sweet kid. He'll come up, and he'll tell you that he loves you all the time, but, but he'll, then he'll just kind of go do his own thing and be like, Daddy, I love you. I'm like, Son, if you love me, you will do what I command you, <laughs> and... Uh, it's more powerful coming out of the words of Jesus, apparently, because, uh, the yes, Daddy, I love you. And then he goes and does whatever he wants anyways. And, uh, and so Finley has kept us on our toes. You may remember, if you were at the conference last year, I shared a story of, of how he spent 17 days in the, uh, in the ICU and a, a breathing ventilator in a coma and uh, just what, what God did through that. And so he's got a special place in our hearts, um, which is good, <laughs> because... <laughs> because he can also test the limits. I remember not long ago, we were, we were on a nice walk. Uh, we're walking in the inner harbor. Uh, if you've never been to Victoria, it's a beautiful place to go. And, uh, and so we're, we're walking by the water. It's, it's you know, having a great time as a family. We're out and about as a family. And uh, there's this big rock formation. And so we let the kids go and, and play. And uh, my wife and I are sitting back just being like, yeah, like we're, we're doing pretty good right now as, as parents. Like, you know, I know we don't got this thing figured out, but but right now in this moment, everything is going well. And then uh, my wife glances over and says, oh, no. <laughs> I'm afraid to look. Uh, but I turn around and Finley, who, who was fairly recently potty trained, had climbed up to the top of this rock formation, overlooking the harbor, the path, you know, the boats. I mean, every, everyone in downtown Victoria, basically, overlooking all of them, and I just see this silhouette on the skyline. It looks like a statue of my four-year-old son with his pants around his ankles, uh, bent over, un- unloading some, I guess, unneeded cargo, uh, inner, inner cargo. And, and we're both just standing there. There's nothing we can do to, to stop it at this point. And there's people walking by like, whose child is that? And, I don't know. I think it's hers. Yeah. And uh, and I remember my wife, she's she's so patient. I remember her just standing there, and every now and then, she's just kind of like like the the chinks in the armor. She's just like, why is this my life? I was just like, I don't know, but uh, it's a good thing we brought some doggy bags with us. Thought they were going to be for the dog, but uh, but... And on the way back, uh, he runs up and he's walking along the side. He goes into some bushes and he comes out. And no joke, this is on our way back from the same walk. He's ho- he found a knife in the bushes and he's holding it by the blade. Like, look at what I found. We're just like, ah, <laughs> like, oh, let's go. Let's get out. Let's get out of here. We're like, family walk is over. A free spirited kid, you know, in all the arenas where we have influence, perhaps our family is the most important. And yet, it can also feel like the place where, where we are least effective. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? Maybe as you were raising your kids, maybe now uh, your, your children are adults and you're trying to figure out, what is my relationship with my, with my kids now? And now that I'm a grandparent, what, what kind of legacy, what, what do I want to pass on to, to their kids? Like how do, I, how do I be a person of influence? How do I be, how do I be a leader within my family? Maybe you're here and you're, you're not married. You have, don't have your own family yet. Maybe uh, you have others in your extended family. And you're like, how do, I, how do I operate within the family that I have to be an influencer for God? This is ultimately where God shapes our character as a leader. And I don't know about you, but uh, I am not standing here this morning as an expert, but as a fellow traveler to say, you know what I'm discovering? I'm discovering that uh, family is God's pressure cooker for humility. And that's a good thing, right? Family is God's pressure cooker. We've got two instant pots at home, and they're amazing, but there's a lot of pressure that goes in before that final product comes out. And what I've found is is what God does through my family brings me the humility that will play itself into every other aspect of my life leadership. And so I want to take you to our our theme verses uh, for for, uh, our time together over the next few days, and something incredible that Jesus speaks to his disciples uh, about about how leadership in the kingdom of God looks very different from how it does in the world. And this is what he said. Uh, It's fascinating. It says, um, a dispute. This is Luke chapter 22 starting in verse 24 it says a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest interesting that you're you're hanging out with Jesus and that's the topic of conversation you'd think one of them would be like i think that guy is is the greatest you know but uh, but no and this is coming off of uh i mean the the insta like the lord's supper the the start of the lord's supper all these powerful things have happened and yeah this this is why we, Our hearts can get so off, right? And they start they start disputing among themselves, which one of us is going to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. In other words, this is how the world operates, but that is not how the kingdom of God operates. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader. As one who serves. For who is the greater? One who reclines at the table. Of course, back in that day, often when you ate, we wouldn't be sitting around tables. You would recline at these lower tables, and then you would be served by servers. It says, who's, who's greater? The one who is, who is eating reclined at the table or the one serving them? It says, um, is it not the one who reclines at the table? And which would have made sense to them in their culture? Like, yeah, that, that's how things operate. And then he says, But I am among you as the one who serves. Their leader saying, But that's not the position that I take. I am with you as one who serves. You know, it can seem petty what they're arguing about, and yet we care about the same things. They're talking about who's regarded as the greatest, they're talking about reputation. Uh, gaining credit for for what they're doing, their accomplishments. I mean, we care about these things too. But what does Jesus do? He challenges their understanding of greatness. The way God's kingdom works is not natural to us. Our natural tendencies is to lean into our flesh. Uh, And Jesus is saying, look, you're going to need help. (laughs) You're seeking greatness, but you don't know what greatness is is. You don't actually know what you're chasing after, and so you're going to be chasing after the wrong thing. Why do we lead? Right? Why, why do we do it? What do we want to get out of it? <clears throat> what is our motivation? What is it that drives us to be leaders? What we find in Jesus' example and teaching is a call to humility. He says, one who serves. He mentions the youngest well, both were near the bottom of the social order in that culture, right? You, you gained more respect as you aged. The youngest ones didn't have much respect given to them. Uh, the ones who served in that culture were near the bottom of the social order. Jesus observed uh, the most prominent cultural examples in their world. He said, uh, talking about the Gentiles, he says, they exercised lordship over. In other words, they sought and embraced the power that came with their positions. They saw greatness in how many uh, people they controlled rather than how many people they served. That same attitude, if we're not careful, I've found in my own life, can bleed into the way I treat my family. You see, James K. Smith uh, says something interesting. He says, we all have what he calls the vision of the good life. We all have some idea, whether we could put words to it or not, we have some internal idea of what the good life is. And the hard thing is that we're navigating a world that offers us many, many versions of what they say the good life is, vision of the good life. And so how do we operate in a world that is constantly telling us a vision of the good life that may be contrary to the kingdom of God? And how do we enter into our families, um, with the proper vision of the good life because we all try to conform the outside world to this inside vision, including our family. And it can be frustrating when this vision is not met, right? We've we've got an idea of this is what I want my family to be. This is the relationship I want to have with my adult children. This is the relationship I want to have with my grandkids. This is the relationship I want to have as a father or as a mother within my family. We've got this vision, this idealistic vision of this is the good life. This is what it should be. And when it fails to meet that, it can be very frustrating. But this is why family is our training ground for godly leadership. Because they see the real us right? Uh, there's no hiding the real us from our families because they see us when we're drained. They see us when we've given everything to our other arenas of leadership, and then we come home and, and they see what, what is mom like? What is dad like uh, when, when all the pressure is on them? What comes out of them? Uh, when, uh, not when everything's going exactly how they want it to go, but when everything is difficult. A verse that's challenged me uh, in recent days, as a pastor is in First Timothy, where it's talking about uh, the elders. it says, an elder must manage his own household well, with all dig- dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? See, so keeping my children submissive does not mean exerting control over them. it means leading them. It says, "Manage them in a way where they follow. Notice the words that it uses in there, dignity, care. And I ask myself, however I think I am as a leader in these other areas of my life, what does it look like at home? What does it look like when I'm with my wife, when I'm with my kids? What kind of leader do they see? And oftentimes, they get our leftovers rather than our best. Uh, This is my, my oldest son. It's my oldest son, Everett. Uh, he's eight years old, and uh, he's got a crazy story of how he came into the world, but, uh, but he also has had some struggles in his life. He's got a genetics disorder that, uh, that he'll have his, his whole life that uh, he's got to manage. Uh, he's also on the autism spectrum, and so it, it presents him uh, some unique challenges that, that he does so well at overcoming. Uh, but as a, as a dad... I've had to figure out how do I how do I lead my son well. And it's not always easy and, and we can frustrate each other. And I remember our family was on vacation at the beach one year. And uh, why is it that sometimes our biggest parenting fails happen when we're on vacation? <laughs> this is supposed to be fun. Uh, and so we're on vacation, and I don't even remember. What, we were all a little bit stressed. I think this was the year that my wife was really, really sick. And so she was pretty much out of commission, and, and so I was kind of managing all, all of it. And, uh, and, and I was pretty stressed out. And, and I don't know what, uh, what was even said, other than we both got frustrated with each other, and he was trying to say something, and I just, I just shut him down. I just cut him off, like, you know, like, enough. It wasn't listening to it. And, and Everett hardly ever cries, right? This was a few years ago, and he's never really been one who, who cried much. But I remember just watching this, this child... In absolute frustration, clench his fists, stand there, and just scream. Just scream his frustration. Charge into the room, slam his door, and go into his bed. And uh, and we're just kind of standing there. My my wife didn't have to say much, but just like, you need to go. You need to go talk to him. So I go in there, and he's buried under his blankets, and he's crying and crying. I want to be heard. My dad won't listen to me. I go in there and I sit on his bed and and I said, Everett, daddy messed up. Daddy made a mistake. And I'm sorry. And I want you to always be able to come and talk to me. I want you to know that your dad is always there to listen to what you have to say. Might not always agree with it, but I'm always there to listen to what you have to say. And, and today... Just now, I didn't give you that dignity. Would you forgive me? Tell you what, asking a, I think he was six at the time, asking a six-year-old for forgiveness takes a certain amount of humility that I didn't have at that time. And God was working, I believe, the Holy Spirit working in my heart. Humble yourself before your son. Let him see what humility looks like. If you want him to be a leader one day in the kingdom of God, Let him come to see humility. You know, if humility is going to become part of who I am, a habit in my life, it must be practiced. (laughs) And the family is the greatest opportunity that I have to practice humility over and over again. I heard my dad say something one time, very simple, but it stuck with me. He said, leaders go first. A very basic level, leaders go first. First to apologize, First to encourage, first to serve, first to raise others up. Leaders go first. And I want to give my family an example of what a Christ follower looks like. See, leading our family doesn't mean that we have all the answers. It means we lead them to the one who does. Right? It means when our family knows, if they follow our leadership, our guidance, our wisdom, they know that we will lead them to Jesus, because they need more than what we have to offer. <laughs> if we just rely on ourselves, then, then our families are going to, to miss out. But they should know that we will lead them to Jesus. And so let me ask you this morning, what is the biggest obstacle right now for you in leading your family well? What's the biggest obstacle for you? in In leading your family, what is it that's standing in your way of saying god i I desire to be an influencer in my family, to my grandkids, to my kids, to my wife, to my husband but but I don't know I don't know what to do. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit will equip us for the for the calling. And I just want to uh, as we wrap up our time together, I want to draw your attention to the fruits of the Spirit. And you're, you're aware of these. You're familiar with these, likely. But at the beginning of the year at our church, uh, we looked at the fruits of the Spirit. I said, it can be overwhelming if you're like, man, I, I need all of those. <laughs> like, like, I'm not good at any of those things. Um, don't do that. Pick one. What's one fruit of the Spirit that your family needs to see more of in you? You know what mine was? We did this back in January. Mine was... Uh, where is it up there? Peace. Peace was mine. He said, God, oftentimes when I come home to my family, what I bring into the home is not peace. It's frustration. It's stress. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be the one who when daddy comes home, he brings peace into, into the home. And so I encouraged our church, pray all year long for that one fruit of the spirit. We don't, we don't need to have them all right away. <laughs> Pick one mind's peace, which one is yours, and so could I invite you as we as we close this time together just to bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes and if you 've got one of those fruits of the spirit in your mind let 's take a moment to pray. ask the spirit of God, would you foster this in me? Would you help me to humble myself before my family so that the fruit of the spirit might well up within me. I remember not long ago, my kids were out playing in the dirt and they came in and they needed their feet washed. And one by one, they got into the bathtub, put their disgusting feet up on the side. And I just washed their feet. And that moment, I think, will stick with me my whole life. I just prayed and said, God, may this be the picture they have of their father one who gets down on his knees, humbles himself before God first and foremost, and before them. says, guys, if you want to follow me, then I will lead you to Jesus because that's who I'm following. If we practice humility at home, it will prepare us to be humble in every other arena of leadership. I don't know about you, I'm still in the pressure cooker every day. I'm not finished yet. But by God's grace, I'm starting to look more like Jesus because of it. And that's a good thing for my leadership and for my family. Well, thanks for listening. And would you let others know
1: about the Pathway to Purpose podcast? And may God empower your journey as you lead a company for Christ.